0: Analytic, and you're listening to talking architecture and design brought to you by the architecture and design network go to www.architectureanddesign.com.au for all the latest news views projects people and much much more today is the third in our five part series on health and aged care proudly brought to you in association with Coroma. Coroma has revolutionised the Australian bathroom industry with a long list of innovations, including dual flush, smart flush and clean flush rimless technologies, all incorporated into Coroma LiveWell's purpose-designed solutions for accessible age and healthcare applications. LiveWell products are designed and engineered by Australians and have been so for nearly 80 years now. The LiveWell collection is designed with practicality and dignity in mind. The fusion of contemporary styles with discreet modifications promote comfort and independence for those with greater needs. All care solutions are designed with beautiful aesthetics you expect across all the Coroma products. Find out more at coromacomau forward slash live well. Welcome to Talking Architecture and Design. My name is Branko Amaletic and today we have with us Emeritus Professor Catherine Bridge. Catherine Bridge has a significant national and international reputation in the area of enabling environments, as evidenced by invited participation in the International Design Awards as a judge, along with numerous international forums and publications, uh, Commonwealth Government Building for the Future Consumer Information Committee, was one of her roles along with the national and state based home and community care planning and along with that the new New South Wales premiers 2030 roundtable on aging. She is one of Australia's eminent experts on housing solutions for older people, Her housing research portfolio includes research on housing and care, housing and health older people and sustainability, accessibility of the built environment, and extensive research on home modification interventions. In 2006, Catherine was awarded a plaque by the Sri Lankan Government's Urban Development Authority for her input regarding the creation of a non-handicapping environment in the national rebuilding initiatives undertaken following on from the 2004 tsunami. She also directs the Home Modification Information Clearinghouse or HM Info project, which was nominated for the New South Wales Public Service Award in 2006. HM Info is a recurrent research consultancy project funded by the Home and Community Care Program, which is 60% Commonwealth and 40% state based, and was established to develop and disseminate an evidence base for home modification interventions in Australia. Wow. That's a, that's a mouthful. So welcome to Talking um, Architecture and Design, Professor Catherine Bridge.
1: Well, thank you very much for having me. And yes, that certainly does sound like a mouthful. So let's start with some figures. Um,
0: uh, can we sort of agree on a definition of, of um, I assume there is one, on, on disability, and just how many people are we talking about when we, when we talk about disability in Australia?
1: Yeah that's a great question. So it's not an easy one to answer actually because disability is a relational concept and it's a function of the interaction of the person within their social and physical environments. So you know for humans the presence of functional or body size and shape irregularities in conjunction with a disabling environment is what actually results in Individuals, people being unable to carry out desired and needed activities. It's really a social construct and it's historically been focused on deterioration or deviation. So um, we have been attempting to measure it, and um, you know, people either self-identify during things like a census. Um, so when we're talking about the national census, um, we're talking about people who self-identified at 4.4 million Australians, which is just under 20% or one in five. Um, But again, when we're thinking about things like the National Disability Insurance Scheme, we're actually only talking about um, people with a a profound or severe um, disability, and that's a a good deal less people.
0: Okay, so do we do disability well in Australia? And, and I, I ask that in, in, in terms of, well, do we look after disabled people well? Is what I'm asking. And I ask that because we've just had a royal commission. Now I don't know whether that's a sign of everything's falling apart or we really care, so we went and had a royal commission. Do we? Um, how do we look after disabled people in Australia in, in, in terms of, in terms of, I guess, an international
1: comparison? So in terms of um, how Australians look after people with disability, as we've seen with the Royal Commission, there are a number of shortcomings and um, things that we could do much better. Um, In terms of um, expectations of people with disability, um, people um, with disabilities are now much more capable of... um, wanting and expecting, um, you know, the same opportunities um, that everyone, uh, all Australians, um, expect. And, and I guess um, the problem is discrimination has been evident in the built infrastructure in and in services. And that's been compounded, which has meant that you often have triple and quadruple disadvantage um, with people with disabilities experiencing not just problems with access in the built environment, but also poverty as a result of being unable to be employed or access facilities like um, health facilities and doctors appropriately.
0: Hmm. Does our built environment or built, I guess, design sector, um, how does it it impact people? I mean, in terms of do designers and architects think about disability when they design buildings? Um, Should they be thinking about it?
1: Um, yeah, absolutely, they should be thinking about it. And, and yes, to some extent they do, but I guess the way that they currently think about it is mostly in regard to compliance with minimum standards um, as set out things through things like the Building Code of Australia or the Australian um, Access um, and Inclusion um, Standards. Um, but, you know, those standards are... Uh, part of what 7,200 standards, which um, building professionals have to consider. Design is a very complex activity. And part of the problem is that um, unless uh, the client commissioning the design um, wants uh, a design that is bespoken outside the norm, then um, it, it requires a, you know, a very committed designer to want to deliver something that goes above and beyond
0: so you mentioned earlier things to do with poverty and whatnot so it's not just about accessibility isn't it? there's sort of a there's a ripple effect isn't there, there there's there's accessibility and then there's poverty you I assume that there's mental health issues that, that yes population. so, so, so is there, there is a there's, there's a larger sort of very there I call it an ecosystem if that's the right term to use that's a play here isn't it
1: yes so I mean I think one of the things that um, that we often fail to consider, for instance, is the idea of, I mean, many people think of disability in terms of obvious um, disability, so the white cane, the wheelchair. But disability is so much more than that, and it's something that we as human beings um, experience mostly at some point, whether it's temporary or otherwise. So the wounded warrior on the soccer pitch with the, the, the gammy knee Um, The person, you know, moving furniture with a bad back. Um, When we're thinking about the statistics about sort of things like mental and behavioural problems, that's 4.8 million people. Um, Hearing loss is 3.6 million. Asthma and chronic obstructive airways disease is 3.3 million. And visual loss, 93% of the people aged over 55 have some level of visual loss. So we all have some decrement in our human abilities over time, and that's something that we need to be thinking about much more proactively.
0: Are there assumptions or misconceptions at play here um, within this industry, and if
1: so, um, how do we overcome them? So I think that the biggest misconception is that compliance with the minimum standards accommodates people with disabilities, right. and... Um, people are usually horrified when I tell them that we haven't ever collected any Australian data about older people um, as part of gathering data for things like Australian standards Um, and that the data that was collected is now quite old and was collected from people in an institution in South Australia. So really very difficult to generalise across the whole of the population and... um, and, again, you know, when we're thinking about things like access standards, um, it's important to think about that as a socially constructed idea around which, you know, people can agree but which changes over time. And we've seen that with things like, you know, changing places and, you know, the, um, the inclusion of things like, um, you know, gender-inclusive toilets or change tables.
0: Mm. So let's talk about social constructs. Let me read you something. Um, I, I, I don't know where I got this from. It, 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 may, have, it may have been something you, you wrote or may not have been, I'm not even sure, but I thought, I thought it's, it's, it's actually kind of interesting. So it says, since the beginning of time, each individual birth into this planet has undergone the assessment of comparability criteria. This assessment leads to, a, to his or her hierarchical categorization in the human pyramid where several compartments outline the patterns of the social construct. Okay, so if we know all this, why don't we change our design outcome to suit them? And that basically says that we actually do categorize everyone kind of properly. So why don't we then change
1: well, there's, it? There's three issues that I think I'd like to talk about and possibly more. Hmm. I guess the first is about design education and disability inclusion. And the bit there is that uh, in design education, we still see uh, disability as being a optional extra or a specialty practice rather than a core skill. And if it was seen as a core skill, no award would be given to anyone who failed to address this as a key criteria and explain how they'd addressed it. And um, that's the first point. The second point is that design and a society still cling to the idea of uh, human form as an ideal form. Um, you know, it's a bit like our concept of beauty, um, and, and that's often exemplified in Corbusier's modular or da Vinci's Vitruvian Man. In other words, a healthy, fit, middle-aged man, not a pregnant woman, not a child, not an older person. And lastly, as I think I already mentioned, design is a very complex activity and having a one-size-fit-all approach is a means of simplifying some of this complexity.
0: Are modern bathrooms the worst examples of you know not having the right design? And um, why is this considering that eventually all of us get old, even even you and I are,
1: Catherine.
0: Eventually, oh we're yes,
1: old? definitely so. And,
0: and um, we'll, have bathroom... to, we'll have to adapt, won't we? I mean, the, the, we, we get old. We ha- we have to adapt. We get old. We get disabled or less able rather, and then we have to adapt. So, our um, bathrooms the worst examples of this.
1: I'm not sure bathrooms are the worst example, but they are a good example. And they're a good example because the bathroom design hasn't changed very much since the widespread adoption of innovations in home plumbing, which was, you know, late 18th century. And because of the need for water containment and sanitation, the end result has been about materials that are waterproof and easy to keep clean. And this makes them cold and a risk for hypothermia And, of course, uh, uh, it causes death and injury from slips, trips and falls. So they're they're the place in the home that is the most dangerous for for humans.
0: Mm. And you've led quite a bit of research in this area, haven't you? I mean, for example, some of your research includes... Um, and I'll read some of the titles, I mean, bathrooms and older people, uh, which you actually conducted on behalf of Caroma, um, home and modification information, older people's housing policy, which was with the Australian Housing and Urban Research Institute. From what I've seen, I mean, and you can correct me here, but, um, you're one of the few academics that's still being very deep into the issues of disability, ageing and house design. Do you,
1: yeah.
0: do you think so, that more research, i.e. more money, and, and then more research into this
1: area? Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, I think it's a a taken-for-granted area that we assume a lot of work's been done. And often when I talk to people, you know, they're they're shocked when I tell them that the international Australian standards, um, you know, haven't been funded by government and which, um, you know, there is, in fact, very poor research, both internationally and in Australia. Really? Yep.
0: Um, in comparison to other countries, um, or how, how, how do we, what, what do other countries do? Is what I'm asking.
1: Well, I mean, I think you know, Australia is a relatively wealthy, relatively well developed country, and you know, on the scale of um, of things, we are somewhere in the middle. I think the Nordic countries have have taken this on in um, a slightly different way. Um, but, you know, when we're talking about what is acceptable, as I, I mentioned right at the beginning, accessibility to some extent is, is a socially constructed um, idea and, you know, what is acceptable in um, countries like Norway is not yet accepted in countries like Australia. Um, and geographic conditions are quite different as well. And, one of the things that happens in Australia, for instance, is that although we have a uniform building code and we didn't have one for a very long time, in fact, really only relatively recently, um, the each state through its own building act makes you know exceptions, and you know that relates to um, you know to what's acceptable in terms of um, you know accessibility as well. Um, you know, in Queensland, for instance. Where climate is uh, an, an issue, where there's high rainfall in tropical environments, where there's termites, that's going to impact, um, you know, its cost and, and construction. So can you tell me
0: some some of the recent work you've been doing within the industry and, and what results and conclusions are, have you been coming up with in terms of design?
1: Well, I mean obviously involved in a number of different projects, but I guess a, a recent project that I led for the Australian Housing and Research Institute, whose results are yet to be published, was looking at assistive technology in the home. And we identified that there was a sustained gap in piloting and development of smart home assistive technology and a lack of clear policy frameworks and insufficient coordination, which meant that what is happening is ad hoc and piecemeal, and that this is hindering implementation for the people that we might think need it most, which are people with disabilities and older people. Um, I guess other research we've done in home modifications has shown that relatively small bespoke changes, low cost, um, can reduce the amount of care by 50% and improve every aspect of um, quality of life.
0: Coroma proudly present the Care Range, Aged Care ambulant, and Accessible. The Care Range is designed to assist people with restricted mobility, including options suitable for Aged Care ambulant, and AS 1428.1 accessible applications. Products within the range not only look great, they deliver optimum access and mobility to comply with Australian standards with added benefits such as clean flush, rimless, Flushing technology and easy clean services for maximum hygiene. Find out more at coroma.com.au forward slash live well. That's coroma.com.au forward slash live well. And now back to our podcast. Or the help. Uh,
1: I don't think technology is a, a panacea per se. Um, I do think that um, smarter design, um, you know, which is designed that can adapt to people rather than people adapting to the design um, is going to make a big difference. And um, I think we need to start to think about um, our design, not just as a set of isolated objects, but as composition, so how they work together in a more coordinated and integrated way, whether that's in the bathroom or in other spaces. I think adaptability um, is critical to this. So um, and I think the other thing that we need to think about is, um, you know, how we can use mass customization, and and how we can bring some of that back to Australia so we can, um, you know, so manufacturing in Australia where we can experiment on, on smaller scale runs which are more economically viable.
0: You mentioned design over technology there. That's actually really interesting. So it kind of does go back to what you said earlier. It's really about educating architects and designers, isn't
1: it? I think so. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and it needs to be a core, not, not an add-on. Um, and I, I think it's about understanding humans as variable, variable in shape and height and size and variable in abilities over time. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you think we will ever reach a world where disabled design is on a quality and functionality and even aesthetic par with, dare I call it able design? Is, is, that, is that? I hope so. I fervently hope so. Um, uh, what what do you think it would it take to get to get to that kind of level?
1: I, I think it takes a, a commitment by a society not to leave people behind, and I think it's a, a mark of a civilized society. That we allow people to um, to be the the best that they can be. I don't think anyone aspires to be less than, and all people with disabilities um, aspire to be recognised for what they can do, not for what they can't do.
0: It's, it's interesting you say that. So, um, as the 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 I guess the proportion of our population increases in sort of ageing, or the Proportion of aging increases. What I'm trying to say, um, you think that there'd be sort of more. I don't know more urgency, I guess, from from planners and from government departments. Is, is that should that should there be more of an urgency from from I guess our, our you know state and, and and our federal governments?
1: Oh, I, I think that it's something that hasn't been um, as well considered as it could be, and by that what I mean is that. Often the focus is on productivity and on paid care or paid work Um, and there's a fear, I guess, that um, cost is um, an issue, Um, whereas, in fact, we're not really looking at the problem in the most holistic way because if we think about cost, it's, it's actually opportunity lost. It's, um, it's not just the person with a disability that can't contribute, but it's the, you know, the people that are caring for them that can't contribute in other ways as well.
0: You mentioned cost. Um, that's always, I guess, the deal breaker, as they say. Um is, is, is there, is there a, 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 I guess, a ballpark formula that people would use in terms of how much, or how much more or how much less or whatever it costs cost to design something? Well, for, there's
1: for, been a number of research studies about this. And, I mean, the problem, of course, is um, it's complex because it depends on the quality of the build and it depends on the ge- geography of the, of the area and, you know, your design objectives. But most research studies um, indicate that cost is either neutral, if it can be done at a planning stage, or, um, you know, is generally not more than 2%. And when we think about, you know, how we currently do things, um, you know, a good example would be, you know, when door blanks go to the factory to be cut into doors, they're actually cut down on a, on a, um, on a thing, on, on the basis of the volume. So if the volume for a wider door changed, it would be absolutely cost neutral. And if the number of doors being sold for the wider door were more or greater than the smaller door, it would actually be cheaper because the door blanks are coming in um, you know, at a larger size anyway. Okay. That's,
0: that's actually really interesting. Never, never, I never thought of it that way. Um, so, what are some of the trends in terms of in, a, in Australia at the moment in terms of um, disability and, and aged care design? I mean,
1: well, in terms of um, aged care design, um, you know, there are some some great architects who are involved in some really good projects, and some of those projects um, are you know world leading in terms of you know designing for um you know, loss of hearing, loss of vision, et cetera, in aged care. But this is the exception, not the rule. And um, and again, one of the issues about aged care design, and one of the controversies, I guess that's come up in terms of um, the Royal Commission in this area, has been that you know the cost of compliance with standards and um, you know, constantly changing standards, is something that hasn't been built into Commonwealth payments and um, is something that um, people that operate facilities are trading off against staff, for instance. And that's a big issue because if you're cutting costs on staff or if you're cutting costs on food, then in the end, the experience for the older person living in an aged care facility is not good.
0: Sounds like we have a lot of work to do in the design community when it comes to... um disability and, and, and aged care, whether it be bathrooms or kitchens or, or or anything else, don't we?
1: Oh, I absolutely agree. And I think that, you know, this is something that, you know, many people can contribute to and which I would like to see being much more um, explored and better funded. It It's, you know, been very... Uh, I I think sometimes one of the things that I often wonder is because disability is stigmatised if the people working in disability are tied with the same brush and therefore their work is considered to be less important as well.
0: Professor Catherine Bridge, thank you very much for your time. That was that was fascinating. And I've got to say, I think our listeners are going to be really interested in, in, in this podcast. So thank you very much for your time.
1: Well, absolute pleasure. Um, happy to talk and happy to talk to others again.
0: We may well talk again. You've been listening to Talking Architecture and Design. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to the third part in our five-part series on health and aged care brought to you by Coroma. Coroma proudly present the Care Range, Aged Care Ambulant and Accessible. The Care Range is designed to assist people with restricted mobility, including options suitable for Aged Care Ambulant and AS 1428.1 accessible applications. Products within the range not only look great, they deliver optimum access and mobility to comply with Australian standards with added benefits such as clean flush, rimless, flushing technology and easy clean surfaces for maximum hygiene. Find out more at coroma.com.au forward slash live well. That's coroma.com.au forward slash live well. I'm Branko Miletic. Thanks for listening to Talking Architecture and Design brought to you in association with the Architecture and Design Network. The a and Network proudly presents the Sustainability Awards now in their 14th year. You can find more information at sustainablebuildingawards.com.au.